Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Raphael Fiedler. And this week, gentlemen, for the first time as a triumvirate, we have a new guest to abuse. Oh, uh, boy. I know, right? We're we're gonna we're gonna talk to another vendor of a security product and see if it meets the sensuous sounds of security, uh, or sensuous what? sounds of info. I can't even get the name of my show right. Sensuous <laughs> sounds of infosec uh, standard uh, and approval rating. That's 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 what we're looking for here, and we all know how vaunted that is among the market, right? Um, <laughs> this is exciting. Uh, yeah, right. I know that somebody actually wanted to come on and talk to us idiots. That's that's impressive. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I'd like you to welcome Jaya Polamura, uh, the head of iCompass, and that's iCompass, like uh, a platform as a service, P-A-A-S, in case you're looking for it at iCompass.com. JP, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. We're the best that could possibly be. We get to screw around on a podcast on a Tuesday. It's kind of awesome. Perfect. Um, JP, tell us something about yourself, and then tell us a little something about iCompass. Absolutely. So uh, I would call myself an engineer. I've been an engineer all my life. Like I still code. Like I, I uh, do the role of a CEO, but I'm actually doing product. I'm doing uh, even kind of coding and design and things like that. So kind of that's my forte i've uh, been trained as an engineer i've uh, been uh, from binghamton university i've uh, did my masters from there and uh, i have worked in startups and uh, those have gotten acquired and i've gotten to work with bigger companies but i would call myself an engineer engineering leader but then i saw this opportunity especially in cybersecurity, mainly because I was working at Equifax and they had a data breach. And oh, <laughs> oh, that was you. Oh, oh not, not me, but sure. Oh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was working there. So yeah, you could, you could say it was me. And uh, yeah, we did have a small, tiny data breach that no one noticed. But <laughs> <laughs> from there. All right, JP, okay. I got to I got to ask, man, and I don't mean to beat you up, you know, cuz we just met. Uh, were you were you one of the 12 who sold your stock options before no, the no. Believe me, okay. I would be okay. in, in jail or <laughs> Okay. All right. 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 I, I did not. No, well, all right. Yeah. Your your esteem in my perspective has just gone up, okay? All right? All right. Uh, low, low bars are great, you know. I can yeah. hear them all day. Don't worry. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I I was there and and what I saw was because actually I ended up at Equifax through an acquisition and I used to work for a company called Trusted ID. It was an awesome, like, you know, startup. And then what happened was there was a change. There was clearly a change. There was obviously change in the leadership and they started talking about taking security more seriously, obviously. And they wanted to get after the breach. afterwards, of course, right? After it's always after the horse is bolted. That's when you, start kind of figuring out what to do. So they wanted to, you know, be be better at it and they, they wanted to get into cloud. And we already as a startup were in cloud and we, we used to be, and they made us get back into on-prem. But we, because uh, my team had the expertise, we ended up building something. And uh, in, in the security space, basically the credit lock feature, uh, 
uh, that you are uh, for Equifax that had to give it for free for the end consumer so they can log the file. So we, uh, my team built that product and we built it uh, within three months on AWS using Docker. So it was a, I spoke at DockerCon on our journey and how we actually accomplished it. So all that was great, but what I still saw was that after all that and after so much, you know, pain, people still like, they do talk about, yes, security first, we want to do security better and all that, but the day-to-day -day business pressure always gets to them and they always end up like doing something that is more business oriented, not, you know, really security first mentalities. And I was kind of really tired of that. And I saw that this is not only happening at Equifax, it's happening at any company actually, because I was talking to people at DockerCon, I was talking to people outside and general like meeting people. And what I was realizing was simple automation, right? So if you do automation in your you know, company, typically uh, for security or generally kind of keeping, uh, having the transparency over things. That was not happening. And people were not interested in doing that because no one is gonna allow that kind of bandwidth to implement these kind of things. So that's when I realized, what if there was a tool, like a simple pay-per-use tool, uh, like simple pay model uh, that, that can attract companies to start adopting, especially people who are on cloud, because even Equifax moved to cloud and there was a lot of companies, enterprises moving to cloud, but I know there are a lot of SMBs using cloud. So I felt this was a good opportunity for us to kind of capture that market. So that was our, my first market insight was, hey, it's not just the security part, but there's compliance, right? We have ISO, I was doing GDPR, uh, uh, SOC 2 compliance as I was an engineering leader there. So I had to kind of manage my platform's compliance aspects and evidence generation and all of that. And I was seeing that this was kind of done in a very, very ineffective and inefficient way. So I thought, what if I created a product around that? So that was kind of my initial market insight, which got me into, okay, I'm going to jump in. I told my wife I'm quitting. And she was like, what, what's wrong with you? Right? Like, are you crazy? You're an old, old man now. Don't forget. <laughs> this is a young man's game. Stop, stop getting into startups and shit just because you're in Silicon Valley. Right. But, you know, I convinced her somehow and then I got into it. So, and I, that's how. Is this your first entrepreneurial venture? I've been doing things on the side, but I never jumped in full time with anything. Okay. And this is my, I would say in that sense first, yes. Outstanding. Well, I want to give you mad props for several things. One, for trying it as middle age. That's that's what I've done and it's frightening as hell. Um, uh, mad props for bringing that thing to, to production in 90 days. That's pretty awesome for Equifax. Um, and mad props for being a genuine nerd. You're in good company here. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, Although I will say as a business owner, I, I have to look, take the opposite stance of, okay, so, so Equifax trained you up, gave you all these <laughs> skill sets, and then you took them and bolted and started your own thing. <laughs> That's not the way I understood it. He started with a startup. Equifax bought the startup, kind of uh, gave them lip service as to, yeah, we want to follow your security model, and then, and then kind of uh, put him in the pasture. That's kind of the way I got it. Is, is, is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah. So the thing was, like, I did learn a lot from Equifax, by the way. Like, I think any company you work with, you learn a lot of things. And I, I did learn a lot from Equifax, as well as, again, I love startups because I think that's where the maximum amount of learning happens because there's so much to do and so little people and you have to wear all kinds of hats. But um, 
because the product is not necessarily what Equifax has built ever, right? So this is kind of security product. So I would say I wouldn't give any credit to Equifax on that part, but I would say I, all the other things, right? So like even as a as someone on the engineering side, you have to run uh, code scanning, right? Like a static code scan, dynamic code scans. Uh, you have to do all sorts of uh, endpoint testing. There's so many aspects that you have to cover from a security standpoint. It's not like you're unfamiliar, but you're on the other side of like, just I'm gonna use some tool and get get done with this step, right? Because I just need to go to production. So I need to- Check the box. Check the box, exactly. So that's kind of the mentality. That's how I got in, like, and that's how I know about security. But then I started getting into it. I'm like, there's so much to this. There's so much people have put in so much thinking. They have written all these NIST like policies and there's so much, uh, but no one really, the, the spirit of it is lost, you know? People are just gonna do the checkbox thing, as you said, never the real spirit of it, but yeah. And that's what a lot of the GRC tools do, I think, is that they give cover. They give that, that fig leaf to liability to the organization where the organization can say, well, we bought the tool and we put it into place, we're good. That's it, you know, exactly. now, exactly. now we can't, now we're above the non-compliance standard. We're, yes. we're now, we're now above the, um, uh, uh, negligence standard. Oh, yeah. At least if we get sued, it, it's not going to be as bad as it could be. That's the only reason they're buying the tool. So what makes iCompass different and how does it work better than any of the other GRC stuff? So, first of all, I would say, I would categorize iCompass as a, a tool that's helping companies get their compliance done uh, in a much smoother and faster way, and also be the subject matter expert that you lack in your team, right? So, we want to be kind of the, the bridge for the knowledge gap of the different compliance. So, let's say if you want to do HIPAA compliance or SOC 2 compliance, you don't know all the regulations and things that apply to you, right? And uh, it all depends on what kind of stuff that are you, are you using on your in your infrastructure, right? So or where your clients are, or exactly where, where your clients are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely right. So those kind of things we can get that information from the metadata, right? And then apply those policies and show you that hey, you are in violation of these policies. These policies you don't have to worry about because you don't even have resources that apply to that policy. You know, so that sort of thing. So what we try to bring to the table really. And that was kind of the initial vision. And I'll tell you where we are right today, but the initial vision was how did we, how do we make sure uh, someone doesn't feel like they lack the subject matter expertise to start on a journey for doing SOC compliance or HIPAA compliance. And then the next part of it is the automation. So what we are doing is because of cloud and the APIs that are available, I could go get the metadata and they could run all kinds of policy you know, algorithms that we run in our policy engine. And that gives you, hey, you're violating these policies for these resources exactly. So you know exactly which resources to go and start like fixing them. And we also give you the steps of how to actually go and fix them. So we remediation steps, we actually have a whole like, you know, help, you know, uh, uh, area where you could go in and, and follow the steps, simple manual steps, and we are trying to do more on automating or at least doing a button push. We don't have the ability to do anything, modify anything on your infrastructure. But I was going to ask you that. That's kind yeah, of a good, <laughs> I'd rather you don't. Yeah. No, 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 that's a big no, no. And, and we want to enable you though, to get to that solution quicker. So we are always constantly working on it, by the way, like this product that we have is no 
like a perfection of anything in in my opinion i'm always working towards hey can we do this better can we do this part better so i'm always looking at it so i i would never say that my product is perfect but jp i know your marketing team is going to give you static for this but you saying <laughs> that makes you stand out from most of your competitors simply because i only hear about how everything is a panacea how how they're all bulletproof and how they're all one shot one kill I like the fact that you say you're not all things to all men. That That's very good. Um, again, what makes it better than other GRC products, though? Those other products are telling me that if I buy them, I'll become invulnerable. Right, right. So first of all, I would not categorize myself as a GRC necessarily. Okay. I'm thinking myself as a, okay, so uh, the core key things that I mentioned, uh, the subject matter expertise, right? We want to supplement that, right? Uh, and have someone be able to go in and figure that out by themselves, right? Somewhat the automation aspect. And then we also work with auditors. So if you want to get a certification, we help you because you can do a lot You're of pre audit. Yeah, you're pre audit. Pre -audit yeah. And we okay. also help in like, because the auditor also has to kind of onboard you and like give you a lesson or like tell you, like, hey, these are the things that you need to do. These are the things you need to take care of. We these are the artifacts that the auditor wants to yeah. see. We so you, you prep all that, you roll all that. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's so, how we're creating value, yeah, there. Okay, all right, all right, good, 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 good. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to step into the audit position because then you'd run into that conflict of no, interest no, no, no. where we're doing consultation and we're doing audit, okay. Exactly, you're right. Good. So we don't want to do that, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for the hard questions? Yeah, absolutely, please. I'm going to release the hounds. <laughs> I brought my own Austrian to this game. <laughs> awesome. And he's got some tough questions for you. All right, Rafi, <laughs> take it away. Uh I I don't know if I like the introduction to this, but <clears throat> and and I I think uh as as a startup um owner myself, I I think I will start with just some questions in regards to to your company. You said you uh you would consider yourself a startup and I mean from the age you are like uh, the, the company, I'm like uh, wondering how many, like the, the website didn't give me any information, how big you are, how many people uh, are working in there. And, and just on a JP private question. in his garage with his wife throwing things at him. You know, but <laughs> I'm just wondering. He's got and, her and... suitcases packed. She's ready to leave him. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just curious because um, I, I understand that your product. Sure. Again? That's sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I can give you details. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Nope, interrupt not... him. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. How big are you? Describe okay, your yeah, I can. I can tell you. Okay. Got it. So that's the main question. So we have a, a small team of engineers here. Uh, we are about, uh, about say seven engineers in the U.S. We are all scattered. Again, I, uh, my luck was I started just in the beginning or before the pandemic. So lucky and maybe I caused the pandemic. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> I started and there was pandemic. I'm like, what? What the hell? And then mm -hmm. uh, had it wrong the entire time. Everybody thought it was 5G. It was actually compliance that caused yeah, COVID-19. I come this was the, the reason. So um, my friend, uh, uh, he, he's been like, I've been with him for a long, long time. Um, Joe Derrick, uh, he uh, he's a really personal friend of mine, and he's a much smarter <laughs> guy and engineer than me. So he's my head of engineering, and he's out of New York, uh, Binghamton, New York. He lives there. And 
because he's remote and then because of the pandemic, everyone is remote. So pretty much everyone's scattered. Like I don't have anyone working alongside with me. Uh, I probably will have maybe a sales team uh, working alongside with me, but otherwise, um, I think it kind of makes sense because I cannot afford to pay Silicon Valley salaries, uh, to especially taking money from my wife, right? So she's going to kill me. So uh, that's why I have to be careful there uh, on how I'm spending. So I'm actually kind of like we uh, are doing kind of well enough that we are able to get most of the salaries done. It's, we are all self-funded right now. So we haven't raised any money yet. We are actually going to be doing doing a little bit of a seed round funding, at least exploration in the next month or so. So we are close to that. So we have been working towards something. We are actually launching a product called CISOBot.ai. That's been my main focus really. And and you know, doing this podcast is also another reason is like, okay, I want to get the word out there that, you know, first of all, we exist. It's hard to get that fact out, right? Because people are always like, who are you now? Like who is this company? I'm like, yeah, Which yeah. Which compass is it? Uh, <laughs> the one with the double A's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it with double S or double A? I'm like, yeah, this all this double A. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, that kind of like our team. We have a small team in India. <clears throat> uh, not a lot of engineers yet. There's some operations people, and uh, there's a small marketing team who does the grunt work, like you know, finding things and 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 maybe posting or or reaching out to people and things like that. On LinkedIn stuff. So mostly, we have a very very small team overall. Uh, trying to gain again, trying to compete with the big people. Who You're a real there. startup. You're a real startup. Yeah, Shoestring, bare bones, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Great Good question. Chat. Spectacular answer. And I want to give mad props to Ravi on your marketing team who hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, he's a wild man. You gotta you gotta stroke him nice. He's he's okay. He, I, I like him a lot. All right, yeah, Ravi. Uh, yeah. Rafty, go for the go for the kill, man. Go for the throat. You had some tougher questions. <laughs> and I think, too. and I uh, again, a full disclosure though. Ravi is yeah. also my brother, so I, do have... uh... <laughs> I see. So, no, just, and just it's so you know, like I, I don't. It, it, that's how startups happen, man. It's a yeah. family affair. That's yeah. that's great. And I think you you also already answered the second question. I was asking if you're bootstrapped, and I I know the feeling. Uh, Saving is bootstrapped as well. Um, so that that thing that Ben is hinting at, I was uh, when I saw on your website that you have an office in India as well. I was immediately my mind jumped into the the new legislation which came out in India in regards to. Uh, and it was mostly talked about VPNs and about VPN companies moving out of India now because um, apparently this law now requires them to start tracking people and to give views, personal identifiable information like IP addresses, but most more scarily like physical addresses and stuff like that to the Indian government. And so, and as far as I can tell, most of those companies, like for instance, um, one of our great competitors, you all seen the ads, NordVPN, uh, they have a, had a very public announcement that they moved out. So, and they're based in Panama. So they're not an Indian company. They're an, not an US company either. They're based in Panama and they move out because they're scared that the Indian government will come after them. And so I'm like, well, you, you are very open about this on your website that you have an office there. And you now told us as well that you have employees there um uh, and as far as i understand uh from the legal text it's not just vpns it's just it's um uh, data services as well 
And it's like, um, if you run like on Indian servers, or if you're selling stuff, uh, from, mm -hmm. from inside of India, which is, uh, very broad, I'd say, um, are you uh, impacted by this? What are your, like, yeah. <laughs> how would you mitigate this? What, what is yeah. your cause of action? If the Indian government comes knocking and tells you <laughs> JB, well, what, what about all your customers? What about all the data that you, that you gathered there and, and share, all your share with us all of the non-compliant controls <laughs> within all of your customers? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And how, and then uh, how are question. you GDPR ready in that regard? I'm well, just I, like, on. well, hold on. Well, let's, let's get GDPR <laughs> on the know. second. Yeah, we'll, I know. We'll hit him with the one, two punch. JP, what do you think right. about the Indian legislation? Right. How are you going to deal with it? So thankfully, because we're a small company. No one cares about us yet, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, always I'm happy to be in that space first, right? But um, to your question about how do you mitigate this, I think uh, at this point, uh, our whole uh, strategy is that we should, the, the kind of work that is being done, so we have an operations team there, right? They're supporting uh, and, and augmenting our engineering team here, helping them to be able to do things on cloud and, and mostly because our customers are in US. Uh, we haven't had, uh, so we are looking in Europe as well. Again, there's a lot of potential there in Australia, Europe and all that, but we haven't had a, uh, we do have a POC customer in Europe, but we don't have a, uh, like a paying customer yet in Europe, but <clears throat> regardless, right? You, you're right. We are, we have to be the guardians of the data, right? We cannot, I mean, as a company, we cannot expose us ourselves to in a way that's going to you know, compromise our customer data. So that is, I'm totally on board with that. I think, let's say if uh, someone comes knocking and asking for something, uh, given that we are a small company, I can always uh, not really give them what they're asking for. And, and especially if it is something that is um, going to compromise my customer security, uh, my, you know, employees, you know, uh, information that is kind of critical. I mean, I'm sure if they want to like find out about a person and their phone number uh, that they can easily do. And I could always say, hey, if you want to get in touch with them, you can you know, email or, you know, uh, call them. But other than that, really, there's no reason. Again, that there has to be a permissible purpose, right? So <laughs> we hear this term permissible purpose. By the way, I'm, I was in a fintech industry and also like, you know, helping those companies as well. Like this is something that comes up all the time, but I agree. <clears throat> this is not an easy problem to solve, to be very honest. I don't think there's a, a clear solution yet, but as more and more companies have to deal with this, I would say, I think we all have to stand together and, and push back on legislations and, and, and requests, specific requests that are coming uh, that compromise the integrity of like, you know, what our organizations really stand for is like, you know, not just offering other security tools, but also like, you know, help them be secure, right? Continue to be secure. So that would be kind of my really approach. It's going to be on a case by case basis, but I really don't see why we would compromise ever like our customer data in any, any regard, but the employee data, I, I do agree. I think that's a, a problem. I think these type of, uh, you know, <laughs> encroachments into <clears throat> people's privacy, I don't think it's a good idea. And, and I think this is a trend that we 
have to buck and we have to push back on but i i really don't know what to do as a small business guy what to do right now but all i can say is like we all should stand together against such such regulations so yeah Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, and I think we could do an entire episode just about that topic. Um, but Rafi, you had another one and you hinted at it just a moment ago. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just curious. And I saw that you're having the star next to it um, in the top. Um, GDPR is something where you help with compliance and in the bottom it says GDPR ready. I was just curious what this means and also sure. in regards to 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 most like you're already as you said a remote company in that regard but gdpr like for instance um doesn't allow cookie banners which are not which only have an accept cookie button which you have yeah. on your homepage. Okay. um it, there needs to be an easy way technically there should be an easy way to decline and you should uh, be able to visit the website so this is definitely not gdpr compliant um but on the other hand i'm just like well what does this mean and and will you then, um, and I'm not sure how your services like works, um, but if it's all run at the company locally, or if you have to sort of like send the data somewhere else, but of course sending it to the US will, I think is not GDPR compliant or sending it to India, of course, is not either, but just like, right. I'm, I'm just curious in that regard because you're saying it very prominently in two places and. Sure. So. Uh, the, the Stark have just denotes that we are working on it, right? But <laughs> the, uh, the the GDPR star, I, I think you're right about our banner not having a, a easy way to cancel or not accept the cookies. Uh, I'll give you <laughs> that's a good catch. I think uh, you know we just said Rafti does take consulting fees, by the way, and he just had a child. And and the, the cost of petrol in Austria is sky high. So feel free to, you know, donate to his cause. I, uh, totally. I think it's a good chat. So he definitely deserves some credit and uh, some pay. I, I get it. Uh, we are GDPR ready in the sense that uh, our European clients uh, will store their stuff in uh, European regions. Uh, that was kind of the main main aspect of the GDPR ready part. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that we could do in doing better. Uh, our teams, again, since they serve or, or their um, uh, whatever they're doing, the services that they are providing are for U.S. and European companies, so they never have to pull the data into the the India region at all. Uh, they actually work in the regions uh, specified, you know, for that particular customer. So. Uh, there's no worry in that st from that standpoint. Uh, we do make sure that the you know the the laptops and the you know terminals they're using are first of all you know uh, scanned and they they're doing all that you know making sure that things are good there. But the work that they are performing, it's usually on a box. It's like a jump box that lives in that region. So. They don't have jump boxes that are in in India region or anything like that. So they have to jump into like you know a, a box for US or a box for let's say European region. Then they can work on that particular data set. But typically, uh, the, the support people don't have to worry about that as much. Um, I would say like 
the only thing uh let's uh, i mean i'll give you a, a chance to actually grill me here more would be uh the data uh logs right <laughs> logs are being pulled into one central location today so you're right in that sense that but we don't have anything sensitive obviously uh in the logs uh let's say if it's european in a company we are not pulling anything sensitive that is data that's specific to that customer we have anonymized like you know uuids uh denoting each customer and and different entries and things like that so we all of that comes into our one tool where we uh pull in and do analysis on logs and, and do debugging and things like that but otherwise yeah that's that's the only thing i would say uh that is maybe not compliant as much as we would like but it is hard to implement all of that on a budget for an smb so like this is kind of where we want to make it simple and easy but for our own customers but for ourselves we have to engineer stuff first right we have to get our stuff in the right places and everything and believe me we we are not a big company that we can afford to kind of have teams doing all that we have to do all by ourselves and it is not perfect by any means i i'll admit to that for sure yeah. jp yeah. i'm going to i'm going to give you an opportunity to take a breath right now because i'm going to come down on your side unilaterally um <laughs> i think you've just described a situation which mm-hmm. i highly agree with where the regulations both indian and eu stifle innovation and creativity by making the barriers to entry almost impossible for small and medium-sized businesses, which is why what you said earlier, that we as an industry, we as a genre of practitioners should push back, that ain't going to happen. Because the big boys who are in the club want the regulation. They want to keep you stifled. They want to keep you out of the market. They don't want you competing with them. They love regulations because they're the only ones who can afford to stay compliant with them. Um, and, and I, I speak for myself, if not for the show, that's heartbreaking. It, it, it's something that we wish would change. And it's one of the reasons I really don't like regulation. Um, so yes, I wish you very good luck on this. Uh, and you got a lot of challenges ahead of you. Uh, Matt, do you have anything? You've been uh, largely the silent partner with the drug today. <laughs> well, I was going to jump off of what you just said, um, uh, re- regarding regulation, it's funny that you say that because if there were no regulation, Ben, then JP wouldn't have anything to do. <laughs> I, I, wait, 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 wait. Hold up just a second. Compliance isn't just legal mandate compliance. Compliance can be with an industry acceptable standard in order to reduce liability. So yes. ISO is okay. not a legal mandate. You know, right. NIST isn't a legal mandate unless you're a federal agency. Um, the PCI DSS is a voluntary contractual obligation, right? So there would still be room for compliance checking, even if there wasn't regulation. Nice try, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and I understand as well. You're saying coming soon, and it's good that you know what the the things are you have to work on, JP. It's it's um, and I, this was basically the question because. I I was like understanding that you're operating from those two locations and I was just a little bit curious how this no, would work. No, and I understand. No, of course. I, I don't want to come across as, as the, the bad guy here. Well, Rafti's so. a cuddly teddy bear, so for him to get his teeth into something is pretty wild. Uh, um, but in regards to... Important question to ask. I mean, I, I believe that your audience, right, should know that 
they should not have to hide behind anything. I want to be upfront because I think we all should be okay with saying what's true and real and not have to worry about consequences like that are bad, right? So we should be saying, hey, guys, like I have limited time. What can I do in all of that limited time? So I, I'll try all these things. I'll try to make sure that we are compliant and good. But believe me, even big companies with a lot of money, they are not able to do. And we will, I think, as to your point, there should be ways of kind of maybe, is this actually really useful? Or is this actually creating the value that you think that it is creating? And can we maybe push back on it a little bit? Maybe it's not practical enough. Maybe we shave off some of these regulations to lesser degrees. So it gives the, the real value, but not takes away the spirit of it, right? So that, that kind of thing, right? And I have a book recommendation for you guys, actually. <clears throat> I would say, I'm sure you guys have probably read this book or something. Sovereign Individual. I've been actually in the middle of it. Like I'm, I'm not totally done with it yet, but uh, the stuff that we're talking about regulations and and also the different kind of things that is there. That sounds say, dangerously libertarian, JP. You have to be very careful. <laughs> no, no. The ideas there are for me. Uh, I think this is written by James Dale Davidson and Lord William Rees Mogg. So, uh, I. I think it's it's good for us to kind of take a step back and think about where things are going, especially because of the information kind of a data centric, you know, technologies and the era that we live in. I believe that kind of taking a step back and thinking about how all of this, you know, really impacts and, and you're talking about regulations and nation states basically kind of countries doing their own thing and also kind of trying to overstepping sometimes sometimes like trying to like you know take other uh, other people's liberty right you know like they're trying to like encroach on that aspect is coming close to that and i think if you're not aware if we are, as people are not trying to like think about this critically and 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 objectively it's going to be hard for us to uh, take any stand right in order to take a stand we have to be informed and in my opinion this one I'm not done with it, as I said, like, but I'm loving it so far. It's I've finished more than half of it and I'm a more of an audible person. So I've been doing it on audible and I love this book. It has really, really good ideas and I would highly recommend and, and especially thinking about these things, regulations and things like that. I think it's a good, there's a lot of good insights in there. If you like that, you might like another book about privacy called exposed. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're using this to promote your own book. Oh yeah. Why, why <laughs> else would I, should. I'm not getting paid for the podcast, you know, <laughs> nobody's using the Wait, buy me what? a coffee no, no, button. No. <laughs> okay. I wanted to say there's a buy me a coffee button. In there, yeah. But, we have yeah. to buy me a coffee button. No one's bought us any damn coffee. And, and I'm, I'm sure. Matt, did you, did you have something else? I kind of jumped on you too. Well, you no, I was just going to say it's, it, it's not, you can, you can tell that JP is actually an engineer and that has had his, his hands dirty down in the mud of, of all the hard work of all this stuff, because he's not giving us the, this, the, uh, the, the sales spiel of, of a typical CEO of a typical C-level, you know, uh, uh, shill for, for his own company. Yeah. I mean, starting up a, a new company, especially one at, with all the complexities, not just from the engineering side, but navigating all of these regulations and all the, you know, the, the, the worldwide technology and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's a tough, tough thing to do. And I, I commend you on, on all that, but I did also want to bring up, I wrote on my hand really quickly because you said it and I didn't want to let it go. Did you say that you're making something called a, a CISO bot AI? 
Yes, yes, yes. So we are... ask about that as well. <laughs> we are kind of starting a movement called NoCISO. And uh, what we mean by that, we want to rile up a little bit of feathers there. Uh, we believe that there are not enough CISOs, really. So no CISO question mark would be like, hey, do you have a CISO? Because unfortunately, most of the SMBs cannot afford one, right? Because it's not only that, it's not just the one person. There's a lot of things that come with it. And you might want to also start hiring a team. All of it can cost a lot of money, especially for an SMB. Even if you have raised some money, right? It doesn't matter. Even then. Uh, this is not a cost that you're able to incur until your series D or you know higher maybe. And what we believe is that uh, this uh, product that we are launching soon uh, called CISOBOT.ai, our focus is to help bridge the cybersecurity knowledge gap. So it's not just from a, we were doing that from a SME thing for let's say SOC 2 or HIPAA, but now we actually wanna think more holistically from a cybersecurity strategy standpoint, right? So we want to help you establish cybersecurity strategy through this tool by first understanding all the different things that go into this space. And there's actually a very nice one. I think Rakim, I forgot his full name now, but uh, he inspired me to kind of come up with this taxonomy. So we worked on it for months. So we have a taxonomy that we have created uh, multi-level and a two-level taxonomy, uh, a way to look at uh, different topics of cybersecurity and figuring out what applies to you, right? That's kind of, so the CISO bot AI solution, we want to help you as it generate policy documents, uh, also answer a lot of questionnaires. So if you have done, or, or if you're a security analyst, or if you're working with the office of CISO, uh, you have to answer a lot of questions. You probably have to generate questionnaires and give it to your, you know, uh, customers or vendors and things like that. We want to help automate that. So we have a model, like an AI model that will help you first understand the question and even associate answers that are contextual from, that's coming from the metadata that we are, you know, generating, right? That's the questionnaire answering part. And, you know, you also want to, make it easy for you to run pen tests and, 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 you know, consolidate your view for your vendors, the different vendors you're using. And uh, one of our main USPs, and again, this is my engineer that could not help uh, but inject the cost savings, which we have even presently, like in our current product, we actually help companies save on their infrastructure costs by scanning their infrastructure and finding the low utilization, you know, resources and all regions all at once, because if you want to do this in AWS or in other places, they give you region by region. We give you all regions at once. So it helps, it makes it easy mainly, right? And the final thing that we, again, just so you know that we are not against people doing CISO role is we actually are creating a platform for virtual CISOs to be part of the marketplace where we can hire, you know, onboard someone for a certain amount of time so that they can establish a cybersecurity strategy. And after that, maybe they won't have enough work to do if they were gonna do it full-time, right? So that's kind of the whole idea behind CISOBOT because we realize that this is a, an area where we could definitely contribute and no one is necessarily talking about it, you know, like uh, no, no one really cares about uh, this, 
the fact that there's no CISOs in most of the SMBs, they're not thinking about it. They don't, they don't talk about it. So we wanted to bring that to the fore. And let's say, you know, another kind of role of the CISO is also kind of to generate presentations for their board members and C-level execs of where we, where you are. But a lot of times it is also old data, like, you know, some architecture diagrams that you, that someone drew, which is probably already, you know, um, kind of obsolete uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? So we are able to generate from the metadata an actual, you know, uh, basically your infrastructure diagram and your networking uh, connections and stuff like that. So you can get a real, real time, real information. And we want to package all this in a, 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 a kind of a, a a presentation that can be presented and that is actually real. And that then that will foster some kind of discussion, right? Because we want that to be part of like conversation and security is not something that happens in the background, right? It is something that the business owners have to really take seriously as well. This is not just a, a, a IT problem. It's actually a business problem. And that's kind of what I really wanted to kind of bring to the fore through this tool. So through this product, basically. Interesting. Look, JP, so I, let me see if I understand correctly. It's um, not just a SME in a box that's going to replace your human CISO. No. Um, you're also talking about enabling consulting CISOs and visiting CISOs, which has been a growing market just in the past year or so, um, because because people are seeing the need for that and they can see how it can be a part-time uh, uh, employee as well. Absolutely. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that a lot. Uh, the other question I have, you've been mentioning the use of SMEs and how you want iCompass to be the SME for the company. How does that scale? I mean, are you are you really talking about automating these processes? Or are you talking about having human analysts who can consult with your clients? Because honestly, you you can't get uniformity of delivery there, and yeah. y finding those SMEs is going to be challenging too. So, I mean, so, at some pool, even your family is gonna is gonna run out of the depth of the pool. You know what I'm saying? I know. I do have two brothers, by the way. Okay. Anyway. Okay. See. <laughs> So I, I can't ask my parents to scale more than that. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as scaling is concerned, uh, we have uh, created these knowledge base like kind of area where we are adding things. But you're absolutely right. What we enable our customers is that we have a, a book a call like a, a link where they can actually set up a call with us. So first is just even absorbing what is happening in your infrastructure and the policy violations that you have and all of that is a starting point. It's only a starting point, right? It is not the end result. And it's not just that I can go and, and they might be, if you are, if you are kind of pretty well educated on the security space and all of that, that might be enough for you to go and start doing the remediations. But we actually offer help on our side and again, this is where we want to open up the marketplace to other consulting companies who want to do, want to help out companies get their remediation done properly, right? So we, I don't think we as a company can scale the consulting aspect of it. And we don't want to because we want to focus on the product because there's so much we can do on the product side and, uh, and we contribute there that 
uh, we want to really open up the marketplace for other companies to help with their mediation, consulting, even sometimes building stuff, right? So, so you can make those bridges to the exactly. consultants who can offer the SME. Exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, also, you, you keep mentioning AWS, and I get that. Yeah. But do you, does your tool also work as a plug-in or an add-on to Azure and Rackspace and Google and all the other cloud environments? Or are you are you AWS unique right now? So we are getting our Azure uh, plug done. Like, we are almost, you know, we're always very close. <laughs> perpetually, <laughs> we're perpetually close on the Azure one. We already have it on AWS, yes. Uh, Azure, we are going to launch as part of the CISO bar thing. We don't have Google yet. That's our next, you know, again, it requires a lot of work. And I need experts. I, I need, like, we, I, I'm an AWS. I, I know AWS myself and my, you know, head of engineering, Joe Derek, you know, he knows AWS. So that was easier to do first, right? Uh, doing Azure was a little bit more of a challenge because we used it a little bit, but never expert level usage. So that was a little harder to get get going because we were listening to the market because there's a lot of obviously biggest chunk is AWS, right? Especially in the Silicon Valley side. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, <laughs> I'm biased I'm meeting more people here. So, and the second is a lot of people who use Azure. Uh, and next is Google and there's a lot of other Oracle uh, and all sorts of uh, other companies. But my whole thing is, I think my universe of customers. I'm happy with uh, AWS and Azure initially. I want to add Google once I raise some funding. And right you now, see where you grow yeah. as a company exactly. and then you can grow as a yeah. product. And, and, the tough part is, yeah. and the tough part is you're chasing a moving target because they can yeah. change their platform any damn time without consulting with you first. Yeah. And then you're kind of left in the dust playing catch up to make sure your thing works for all your clientele. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I want to thank you for your time. I I, I know that uh, uh, we kind of went over the, the half hour target that we had originally planned for. Um, I, I do want to give an opportunity to uh, both of my attack creatures to to have another swipe at you. Rafti, anything else? No. Thank no. you for, for sharing this. I wanted to add in regards to AWS as well. Um, when you're like a young company, there's AWS credit thrown at you at every corner, right? or at least right. this is how it feels like. As soon as you're like um, in any way come into contact with Silicon Valley, you get AWS credit yes. basically everywhere. And so I think uh, with your approach of um, helping smaller businesses as well, mm -hmm. who cannot afford a, a full-time CISO and who maybe are stumbling and i mean you're you're saying uh, talking earlier about stuff like this as well like compliance and and bridging this this would be basically if it would have more time where i wanted to go into and maybe ask more about what you're talking about there but i i feel like it's an it's a very interesting thing and i i agree for for us um making it easier for um people to get into the field i think is important and i think that what ben is doing with the podcast to a certain extent, I mean, Robin isn't here anymore, but the whole like Robin teaches things, it was, was a similar concept where she's like uh, trying to get the concepts out there to so that people understand. And as you said, think about stuff like this. And um, yeah, so uh, it's a cool thing. Uh, I like it. And uh, I think you know where you have to grow. And I, uh, if you're that honest with us on a podcast, I think <laughs> and customer who approaches you can 
hopefully um, feel that you're as honest with him as well. Thank you. Matt, what else have you got? I don't have a whole lot as as a practicing security consultant who who deals with a variety of customers who who have both on prem and cloud based stuff. Uh, I'll tell you, once I started looking at the website, and then after this conversation today, I, I think your tool is is great. I haven't seen it in action yet, but I'm looking forward to, to to digging deeper into it because I think it it could be really useful to me as a consultant and uh, to my to my customers uh, as as well. So yeah, th definitely thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Matt. And again, I would say like thanks for having me on. Like I'm, uh, I'm really glad that you guys are looking at small guys like me and you know helping, helping me out and getting my word out there. But I, I have to say like Matt, Ben, and you know like you all are Rafti, right? Rafti. Uh, I what you guys are doing from education standpoint, and also the the course uh, on Udemy, right? Uh, Ben's course, uh, yeah. Well, actually, actually, I don't see any money from that. <laughs> That's how Ravi actually got. Like, I know? paid you. You've got a Kringle coming in the mail, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> but I appreciate that. I think that's really, really needed. And again, I hope that I want to network with people like you who are, you know, training CISOs or or our CISOs or, or at least playing that role. Uh, again, we need more of that because, again, like at the end of the day, like we have to have that kind of thinking, which is. It's not tailor made. You cannot do tailor made stuff uh, in a tool. It it happens from the thinking and understanding. So yeah. okay, you're going to regret saying that. I got to ask you, JP. <laughs> if one of our listeners, one of our four three listeners, calls you up and says, "I heard about you on Sensuous Sounds," would yeah. you be willing to give me a trial period on iCompass? What would you say to that listener? Absolutely. So we will definitely give them a trial. Like uh, I'll give them a two month trial. Uh, Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Coming from you, so I'll give them two month trial, and I'll if they pay, uh, I'll give you a cut there, man. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, even better. I'm liking this. So, we're gonna now. I'm gonna learn how to edit audio. I'm gonna take out all the tough questions, and it's just gonna be a, a five minute uh, advertisement for <laughs> iCompass. Now, uh, all it's, right. It's it, not that cheap, you know. So <laughs> the, the cut can can be. <laughs> All right, so JP, do you have just five more minutes? Oh yeah, absolutely, I do. Okay, this is something that Robin proposed a while back. <laughs> this is painful, and I you're going to be the first guest that we've ever done this to, and I'm going to include Matt and Rafi on this. We've got this list of acronyms from the CompTIA uh -oh. Security Plus uh exam outline both of you don't look at your screens because no cheating now we're gonna do a round robin i'm gonna go i'm gonna pick some of these at, at random and i'm gonna ask one of you what it stands for and then if you can't get i'm gonna give it to the next person and we'll keep score here how's that all right what what, what do we what do we win here ben a, a free copy of exposed 60 days <laughs> worth of i compass because <laughs> i'm generous like that <laughs> Are you game, JP, or would you rather Absolutely. leave with some dignity? It's up to you. No, no, let's do it. I mean, uh, I am so bad at this, but I, I'll, I'll try my best. I'll try my I'll, best. I'll start, I'll start with some easy ones, okay? Sure. BYOD. For you, JP. This one's for you. Okay, bring your own device. Beautiful. Outstanding. Excellent. Um, Matt, you ready? Sure. ICMP. 
Oh gosh, that's a it's it's a ping. Uh, something messaging protocol. I'll grant you that half, half credit. Rafti, do you want to do you want to finish it out? Do you know the the first two letters? I have no clue. No. It, Internet control message protocol. Okay. All right. Oh. Good enough. Good enough. Ping. It's a ping. <laughs> Ping is a program written with ICMP, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Okay, Rafti here. Let's just it's not I don't even know if it's on the list. What does ping stand for? Well, I have no clue. JP? No idea now. Matt, you brought it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your point away if you can't get this now. I don't think I ever knew it was an acronym. What what internet groper. Oh, you said Groper, G R O P E R. I didn't make this up. There's the, the guy who wrote Ping. Yes, I never knew that. See, I, I certainly never knew it had the word Groper in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rafi, I'm going to give you a, a different one. S A A S. Oh, oh, System as a Service. Oh, that's easy. Wrong, JP. Software as a Software as a Service. Yeah. No, no, we're we're playing by Jeopardy rules. You, you don't get to correct yourself. All okay, right. I'm sorry. I'm JP, sorry. JP, you ready for another one? Uh-huh. SQL. A sequenced, um, oh, wait, query language, but um, sequential query language or no? I'll, I'll give you two-thirds credit there. That's right. Structure, structured structure, query structure, language. Structure, of course. That's okay. That's okay. Very good. Very good. Um, Matt, SFTP. Secure file transfer protocol, port 22 using SSH. I agree with you. I agree with you. CompTIA has it listed as SSH file transfer protocol. I don't think, I've never heard that. I've always heard secure file transfer protocol. Yeah, yeah, secure. Good for you. Good for you. Excellent. Um, this is a tough one, Rafti. (laughs) WPA. I have it's, no clue. It's what it's, it's related to. Oh, hang on, hang on. It goes to JP. We're doing the round robin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> okay. JP. Is this an algorithm? I think it's uh, no. Uh, some kind of an algorithm. WPA. No. 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 Matt, you want I now know that I have to learn this until the next episode. <laughs> I, I, I did not know. I'm so glad that I last uh, episode told everybody that I'm not the technical guy at saving. <laughs> so. Matt? I think it's uh, uh, wireless protected access. I'll give you it. Wi-Fi protected access. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very, very good. Excellent. Uh, and that's actually the that's the standard for the, the crypto that we apply to, to Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, it's superseded WEP, Cor- wireless encryption protocol. Yeah, correct, cor- correct. Yes, and WPA two is what we should be using today. Yeah, good. Uh, All right, uh, Rafti, last one, last one. Oh, no, <laughs> I'll try to give you something a little bit easier. DHCP. Oh, I, I of course know what it is, but I have no clue what this stands for. Which means you're an actual practitioner, because we don't know the taxonomy. <laughs> JP, do you know this one? It, hold on. Uh, it's the um, 
communications protocol, right? DHCP. It's uh, it's DNS, so it has to be something to do with DNS. H. Not so much, but I'll give you I'll give you twenty five percent for the protocol. That's the P. Good, Matt. Dynamic host control protocol. Bingo, bango, bongo. It's actually configuration protocol, but okay. I've always heard control as well, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Gentlemen, I think we've all – the, the, I only know these because I get to read them as part of the, the, <laughs> the game. Uh, otherwise, I would have failed horribly. I'm going to name Matt the winner today. Um, oh, so you get 60 <laughs> days worth of iCompass. Uh, yeah. JP, thank you so much for coming. Really yes, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Would you please be willing to come back in a few months and tell us your progress and how things are going with the company and, and how, how it's all turning out? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I loved it. I loved uh, actually talking to you guys and I'd love to have more honest conversations again yeah, in a few months. Yeah, especially if you, uh, if, if, if you dig deep into the Azure, that's what a lot of my clients are. So I'll be looking forward to, to seeing how, how that comes along. Absolutely. If you need some European server hosters, <laughs> which you can look at, Hetz nice big in Europe. Uh, and of course, uh, OVH is very big as well. And DigitalOcean, of course, is, is yeah. also. The, so those are the names that we are using. Because AWS is so is expensive, Azure is expensive, Google Cloud is expensive, Hetzner is so cheap, so right. cheap, and unlimited bandwidth. So oh, <laughs> for everybody who who is looking into getting a server in Europe. <laughs> and Rafi has volunteered already to help consult with you to do your small business growth <laughs> in the EU. <laughs> yeah, I, I need more. I know you need more people. Like this is one thing that I realized after starting a company. We need to network more. So I absolutely would love to kind of find out more. I think learn more from European standpoint as well. So absolutely, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right, JP, give us a moment. We're going to wrap up the show. Um, that's it. Uh, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Raphael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec.